sons of a perfect heavenly father who welcomes us to come to him. And so um, I would love to just pray for us as dads particularly this morning. God, um, you're our heavenly father. We get to call you dad. God, I, I thank you for those dads that are here in this place. And uh, if all we can give is a $5 cup of coffee or a couple cups of coffee, um, uh, God, it's, it's only a small token of, of what we feel these dads. God, you have called us to care for your children. You have called us to a high task, a high responsibility. And uh, God, we want to fulfill that. Sometimes we fail our failings, our weaknesses. And in that, we are thankful that we still get to come to you. In your grace, you love us. You lavish your love on us. You welcome us to come and to be led by you and to be loved by you. And so, uh, God, our dad, um, we come to you uh, this morning. Would you touch our dads here? Would you encourage us where we need it? God, I pray for those who uh, come into this place and maybe Father's Day, there's, there's some level of grief or mourning. Either we're missing our dad who uh, is no longer with us or was never with us. Um, or God, that we uh, sit here and we want to be a dad, but for some reason we cannot be. And um, uh, God, we come to you and we just lay ourselves before you. God, I pray for the single dads that are here. And uh, God, just I don't know how. Uh, they do it day by day, um, but yet, yeah, God, I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. Um, God, we're thankful that we get to come to you today. I pray that you would teach us during this time, and uh, God, lead us to be who you've called us to be, each and every one of us, uh, whether we're a dad, whether we're a son, a daughter, um, whether we're a man, woman, child, uh, would you teach us during this time? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our youth, uh, grades 5 through 12. Um, uh, hug a dad or something on your way out. Um, uh, but if you're in grades 5 through 12, meet your leaders over there. Your time of teaching will go on there. Um, we're going to get into teaching. Uh, but before I do, just a couple things that I want to uh, touch base with on this summer. Uh, number one, we recognize parking uh, is tough. We're thankful that you made it here. If any of you have any trouble uh, walking that distance, we want to make sure that uh, that's not a hindrance to you. Um, let us know how we can help you. Uh, this summer, we're going to have to stay a little bit flexible. Uh, next week, we will not be in the theater. As you already heard, we're going to be out uh, in the park. There's a pavilion right uh, in that direction that you'll find in the park. Uh, so that parking is going to be some of the furthest. There's actually parking on the street there or parking on Covell Street. During this week, uh, we will get you some information on best parking for this week. Um, and uh, so if you're not on our email list, if you've never given us your email, if you're not on Facebook or social media and you uh, are open to being, um, we would love to have you connect this week just so you can stay connected over uh, this week um, and over this summer. Actually, the next two Sundays we will not be in this theater because um, as God has sovereignly ordained it, uh, PG&E will be shutting down this building on Sunday, July 3rd, um, so we cannot be in this building. Um, so we will once again be out in that park, uh, but while next week the, the theme for the park is community, getting connected with one another over breakfast, uh, the following week it's going to be prayer. We're going to come together, we're going to pray together. Uh, I know uh, for some of us that may seem a little bit daunting, but we want you to show up because of what's happening on July 4th. Um, we're going to be praying for our July 4th together, and July 4th we have a great 
Um, it's just a great community gathering. Thousands of people gather uh, in the park out there. And so uh, I feel that this is one of the great events for us as a church that really uh, hits a lot of things that we are. So our community, thousands of people are gathering that may or may not uh, know Jesus, and we just want to uh, be a part of that. And so as we reach the city, we are just part of the life of this city, great city event. We're going to be out there. Uh, many of us are far from home and family, so we don't really have July 4th plans. Um, and so uh, I'll tell you, we've been out in the park for most years, for the whole uh, 14 years that Discovery's been happening here. My family has been there. It's been kind of the family tradition. And so I would love for you not just to think about, hey, coming out to the park to do some outreach, but that this is uh, a family tradition. That, that as a church family, we get to do, you get to come out. Uh, we're a part of enjoying that. And yes, while we're out there, um, we're going to have some activities for kids uh, to keep some of the kids occupied while they're waiting for fireworks. Uh, we need some help with that. And so if you would come out, if you can give an hour or two hours of helping out there, we'd love to have you part of it. Um, it really is an impactful thing. I love, they have a booth out there um, that sells beer. Okay, we, that's not our booth. Um, but what I love is that when everybody is looking at the church booth and saying, why is that line longer than the beer tent? And the reason is because we have activities for kids. Parents love to send their kids there. We get an opportunity to act, interact with uh, those families and kids. So we need help. There should be information in the back of your worship guide this morning about how to uh, connect there. Um, I actually don't see uh, an email there. Sign up via the app is what it says. So you can do that on the app or find somebody in the lobby uh, and get signed up for July 4th. All right, I know a lot of stuff going on this summer. One of the things that I'm most excited about as we transition into our time of teaching here is the series that we started last week and that we're in. Uh, this is a series that's very personal for me, um, and it's called Water from a Deep Well. Um, because, uh, as we know, sometimes God just showers His grace upon us, and we know His presence, and He is very real to us. Other times we wonder, okay, where is God during this season? Sometimes we feel like we're in a dry and weary land. We've been pouring out um, and out and out to others in our parenting, uh, in our work, in our ministry, and we end up feeling dry. And, and sometimes God may come and just fill that reservoir, but other times um, he calls us to dig in a little bit deeper. And sometimes we have to kind of dig those deep wells to, to look for God, that these springs of water could just flush out uh, among us. So we're talking some about these disciplines, things that we can do, any activity, we defined disciplines last week as any activity that we can do uh, that puts us into the presence, the power, the transformation uh, that Christ brings into our life. Ultimately, the water from the deep well is Jesus himself. And so as we show up, we're seeking more of Jesus. As we come here on a Sunday morning, it is Jesus that ultimately springs forth within us as he sends his spirit into our life to bring us comfort, to fill us, to overflowing. Now today we are talking about a principle. We're talking about a discipline that, that I believe is truly transformational in our lives. It is one for me personally that it is, if I were to look back, at the reason that I am here today, and the reason that I'm walking with Jesus, the reason that I have hope that there is 
newness and refreshment in life. It is because of this principle. And the principle that we're going to talk about is Sabbath. Now, uh, if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 20, that's going to be our text for this morning. It's in the Old Testament, the second book of the Bible, Exodus 20, um, beginning in verse 8. We'll look at a few verses there um, and to get some biblical understanding. There's a lot of misunderstanding uh, about Sabbath or even neglect of Sabbath. In fact, as you hear that word, you may say, I have no idea uh, what that word even is. We don't use it in everyday life. Um, Or maybe you have heard it and you think, okay, that was something in ancient times. That was something maybe in Old Testament times that doesn't really apply to us today. Maybe you think, yeah, I remember growing up in kind of this uh, legalistic culture where everything shut down on a Sunday. We couldn't go to the grocery store. We couldn't do anything on Sundays except go to church. As we talk about Sabbath and we talk about rest, there may even be a tendency uh, for some of us to say, yeah, that sounds like it, it's pretty lazy to pursue rest. I mean, we're a bunch of hard workers. Let's put our nose to the grind and, and keep at it, okay? So maybe we have a feeling that this is something that lazy people do, not hard workers that want to accomplish things like you and me. I was there too, I, and I've spent uh, much of the last couple years uh, studying, looking, reading uh, upon uh, this Sabbath. And it's been transformational in my life. I want to share some thoughts with you today. Uh, in the past, I've done a couple sermons on this where we've talked all through kind of the biblical principles. Today, I want to get a little bit more practical because I think God wants to speak something and give something into our lives through this. I'll give us a little bit of biblical understanding. It gets rooted back, really all the way back into Genesis, but Exodus 20 in what we call the Ten Commandments. One of the commandments says this, Exodus 20, verse 8, says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now we're kind of jumping ahead to this commandment here, one that's listed among uh, several others, like do not commit adultery, don't steal, don't commit murder. Uh, Remember the Sabbath is right there in the midst of it. And as it talks about here in Exodus 20, it looks back to God the creator in Genesis chapter 2, where it says that God created all things in those six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. And it wasn't because God was tired, because he doesn't grow tired or get faint. But no, he rested on the seventh day, and he said creation was very good. Now, as God has given instruction to his people in the Ten Commandments, he says, remember, remember the Sabbath. Now, why does God call us to remember the Sabbath? I mean, I think when we look at being tired people, I mean, a lot of us are probably tired This morning, right? It's a long week, hard work. We got here in some ways. Doesn't that just sound great? Yeah, I would love to have a day of rest. 
There's something in our soul that just moves us to desire that. But yet, very few of us remember the Sabbath or keep it holy, set apart for the purpose that God had for us. In fact, if we were to go through the Old Testament, we see God, that God continually tells his people, remember the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath. I gave you this for a reason. In fact, if we get later on to the prophet of Ezekiel, he then condemns his people, and he says, okay, you have not kept the Sabbath, so I'm going to keep it for you. And he sent them off of the land into captivity. And he said that they had failed in something that was so important. Now, maybe we say, okay, that's, that's Old Testament. But Jesus said something about this. Mark chapter 2 in the Gospel of Mark says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, they were saying to Jesus, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And here we see legalism at kind of its peak. The religious leaders, look, the disciples were hungry and they were plucking grains of grain. Grains of wheat. And the Pharisees say, why would they do that? That's not allowed on the Sabbath. And Jesus says this line. He says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He says, man was not made for the Sabbath. In other words, man is not here to serve some holy day. No, Sabbath was made for man. Sabbath is here to somehow serve us and to help us remember God's goodness in our lives. Okay, Jesus said something there, but even so, we're reminded in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. This is after Jesus died, went to the cross, says, the promise of entering God's rest still stands. We who believe in Jesus, we can enter this rest. Goes back looking at Sabbath and it says this, then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works as God did from his. Again, pointing back to creation. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience that God's people in the past had. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, we may not be able to put all of these things together at this moment. I'm not doing a thorough job on all of these scriptures. But what I want us to grasp today is that there's something about this Sabbath that still remains for the people of God today, for those of us who are in Christ. And through my study, what I would grant to you is that the Sabbath teaches us perhaps more than anything else about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in it, we have Jesus a rest that does not come from our striving and our work. At the heart of the gospel of Jesus is that there's nothing that we do to earn the grace of God. There's nothing that we do to earn the favor of God. And Sabbath teaches us that when we rest, we are resting in the grace of God. Not by our own doing, not by our own works, not by our own efforts, but resting in what God has given us in the gospel. The Sabbath is a picture of the gospel. Sabbath is not a law. 
for us to obey based on Old Testament laws. No, it is actually a gift given by God for us to enjoy Him. Sabbath isn't just a law, a command that we need to obey. It's a gift that God has given us to receive. And because in our broken world we do so bad at receiving this gift, it is also a discipline that we will have to pursue to get to the place where we are experiencing this gift from God. Now, if we think about this gift, I, I mean, I think it's a little bit like Christmas morning, the discipline of Christmas morning. Stick with me a little bit. Okay, Christmas for many of us, is filled with gifts that we unwrap, a variety of gifts. And God has lavished many gifts upon us that we can experience in Him, being connected in relationship, receiving His Word, uh, being able to rest in the knowledge that we have eternal salvation in Christ alone. But Sabbath is a bit like this core spiritual discipline that as we continue to walk in our life with Christ, that it's kind of like the container, like Christmas morning, that if we don't have the discipline to get up and to be able to sit and experience the unwrapping of the other gifts, we'll miss the goodness that are in all those gifts. Sabbath is this great big gift that enables us to experience all that God has for us. Now, to be real with you, um, I am probably one of the worst guys to give this message. If you're looking for an expert in the practice of Sabbath, I myself have for the last two or three years really been learning from others. I've been uh, mentored from a distance by uh, a guy who uh, has done over 3,500 hours of study on this, uh, a guy who uh, pioneered a movement called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality called Peter Scazzaro. I don't know him personally, but I listen, I read diligently about all that he has given. And so I hope today that I'm just sharing a little bit of what my journey in this is, an ongoing journey, and maybe it's a brand new introduction to this principle for you, but we'll continue to learn and walk together. And so four principles of Sabbath that we need to grasp. If we're looking for a biblical definition of Sabbath, it is a 24-hour period of time that includes the following principles and elements. Number one is this. We stop work. We stop work. The word Sabbath is rooted in a term that literally means to cease. So Sabbath means that we cease our work. On Sabbath, we embrace our limits and recognize that my work only gets me and activity in this world so far. In the end, God is the one who works and accomplishes all things. We stop work, both paid work and unpaid work. Now, I've struggled with stopping my entire life. You know, many of us could look back to say when we were uh, kids in school, there was always another homework assignment to do, another extra credit that could be given, and we never stopped doing homework. We got into college, and we continued that. We got into grad school, we continued that. Then we got in our career, and maybe we said, one day I will stop. But that one day really is when we're dead. But God calls us in Sabbath to stop our work, that we might remember that we were remember that ultimately it is not about my doing. God is on the throne. 
And when I stop and trust in him, I recognize that he continues his work that only he can do, that it's not about me. We stop and we trust. Number two principle is this, that we enjoy rest. Any of you enjoy rest? I, I, I love to rest. I love to rest. I hope fathers on Father's Day, if you don't get anything else, you get a nap. Enjoy rest. Some of us, we go so hard that we get to the place of a summer vacation and we barely get a little bit of physical rest and we're so exhausted. I remember a couple years ago, I had run myself so exhausted that I literally went up to a cabin in the woods and for 24 hours, I slept. I was out. I didn't know what day it was because I had driven to such a point that my body said, if you're not going to rest, I'm going to shut it down. The principle of Sabbath, which is given on a weekly basis, is a rhythm to restore us, to enjoy some rest. Now, some of us may say, um, I know some people that enjoy a little bit too much rest. And, and let me be clear, the Bible is also clear, Exodus said this, six days you will labor and you will work, and then one day you will Sabbath. And so there may be some, as Proverbs speaks to today, that says, okay, uh, remember sluggard, how long are you going to sleep? Arise, get to work, otherwise you will be found wanting. But I don't think that's a lot of us. I think many of us struggle to rest. In fact, when we reach, if there is a vacation, we run just as hard and we come back and we're still depleted. On Sabbath, we enjoy rest. Now, some of us may get that far. Some of us may say, okay, I stopped work. I, I think in the church historically, that's what we've counted as Sabbath, those things. Stop and rest. Stop and rest. But biblical Sabbath includes more. Number three is this, practice delight. What did God say on the seventh good day? I kind of gave it away. It was very good. On the seventh day, God said it was very good, and he enjoyed creation. Part of Sabbath is delighting in creation, delighting in what God ha has given us. Now, that can look like all different sorts of things. Maybe it's delighting in our children, watching them play. Maybe it's delighting in nature, going for a hike. You see, Sabbath is not just sitting uh, on the couch for 24 hours. It's delighting in what God has given in our lives. I'd imagine you may be a little bit like me that I've been going so hard for a while that it doesn't come right to the top of my mind what I even delight in. And you may have to think about that. What is it that God has placed in your soul that if you were given a few hours to go and to do that, you could just delight in? Finally, I think this is part of it as well. Number four, contemplating God. Exodus 20 said that the Sabbath is set apart wholly unto the Lord. So we may get to a period of dropping, shutting our minds off, but are we contemplating the things of God? 
See, the Sabbath ultimately was to refocus, refresh us in who God was. And so we contemplate God. For many of us, that may look like coming to worship on a Sunday morning, to think about the truths that God has given us, to receive something from him, bringing the family here, contemplating God together. For me, just to give you an example of how I live this out, not a perfect example by any means. I'm giving you my ideal picture. But what uh, my example looks like is, because Sunday is a day that not only do I show up but to worship, but I show up to work. It is a working day for me. So I actually do Sabbath like, like the ancient Hebrews used to do from sundown on Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening. And I recognize that in my uh, cycle of the week that uh, Sabbath doesn't, especially with four kids, it doesn't just happen like that. I need to put in some time to preparing for that. So I'm working till about noontime on Friday, and, and then I'm uh, going ahead and I'm beginning to make sure that the house is in order, um, that when my kids come home, we do a few uh, chores in the house, and we get ready so that when dinner is on the table, we can begin to Sabbath. And so it looks like we have dinner together, we pray, and we uh, enjoy, we delight in the food that we have. Some Friday nights, my wife and I will go out on a date. On most Friday nights, we're too tired to do that, and so we um, basically just uh, get the kids, do something fun with them, get them into bed, and then we crash on the couch and watch a movie, and we enjoy, and we, we delight there. We rest a little bit, and then we sleep. Sleep in on Saturday morning. It's the only day of the week that I sleep in beyond 5 o'clock. And I sleep in. I enjoy that rest, get up. My kids and I, sometimes we watch an animal show uh, on TV to just kind of enjoy and look at that. And then we'll try to get out and do something. Some days it's just a walk out to the park. Um, other days it's going on a hike, planning something that we, we do. We try to uh, avoid many planned activities. We don't go to a lot of birthday parties and things like that on Saturday. The afternoon, um, sometimes we'll uh, have spend some time in Scripture. I like reading the Psalms on that day, sharing, talking about that a little bit with the kids. Uh, and then the afternoon, catch a little bit of a nap. We have something simple for dinner, and then 6 o'clock comes, and I'm back engaging for Sunday morning. I, I'm getting ready for that, and my six-week work week, six-day work week begins again. Now, that's just an example for me of what that looks like. Maybe not super clear exam. There's a lot of questions that come back in that. And the last thing I want to say is you take my model and put it on you. I'll be honest with you, one of the hardest things um, in this season of life has been family. Um, not only doing this myself, but leading my wife, our kids, um, in fact, for those of you with younger kids, my youngest are six now, so they're a little bit older, or I can actually kind of teach them some things, lead them in, in some things. Um, it was extremely difficult when the kids were younger. Got lots of things that come up unexpectedly. How do we, how do, we do this as a family? And um, really what I want to implore us is, and not to say this is going to be easy, but that it is a discipline that we start to think about that we start to maybe wrestle with, that we talk about as a family. If this is a gift that God wants to give us, how is it that we receive it in a world that knows nothing of this? We live in a culture that 
isn't going to give any allowance for this. Saturday's filled and Sunday too. And so we're going full steam and we're never resting, delighting, contemplating the things of God. And we wonder why it is that we are feeling so empty. Because all we're doing is pouring ourselves out. A couple years ago, I finally really learned this principle. Um, if you were here a few years ago, you know, two years ago, I, I took a three-month sabbatical. Now, let me, let me just get this out there. Where in the world today do you get sabbatical? <laughs> you know, only if you are a pastor or you work at Genentech, okay? Genentech gives their workers sabbatical. So I recognize that your workplaces aren't looking, your kids are not looking to give you three months off to go pursue this. But the reason that I ended up there is because I was empty. I was poured out. I had nothing left. And that this church had to say, you need to go and be with God. And I experienced some things from God there that got me started on this journey that I continued to walk on. Not perfectly. But here's what I want to, do you think that I had to be taught to work hard? I was the son of a German immigrant who labored his whole life, who taught me the value of hard work. My mother was a very much Martha personality. Uh, if you know that biblical reference, there was a Martha that ran around serving in the kitchen, and there was uh, a Mary that sat at the feet of Jesus. And that's the household that I grew up in. And so I worked hard my whole life. I got into a good college, did great there, got right into a PhD program, had my PhD by the time I was 27, and then figured that I could pick up pastoring at the same time, and then I just kept running uh, in that as well. I, I did seminary the whole time so I could get through that degree, and then I became a professor at a university at the same time I was pastoring here. I didn't need to learn the value of hard work, and I'm not telling you those things to kind of say, oh, look at what I did. I'm telling you them because of where they led me. I kept pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and it left me down and empty. I didn't need to be taught to work hard. I needed to be taught to rest. And I would gather that many of us in this town, many of us in this church, we also need to get back and to be taught to rest. Now, thankfully, we have a heavenly father who's walk along. I have not rescinded my gift from you. I'm looking to give it to you. I want you to learn. I will walk alongside you. I put my spirit within you so that you can know what this looks like in your life and in your family, that we can experience what God has for us. Sabbath is not just a law to obey. It's a gift to receive. And are we ready to receive from God what he has? There's all kinds of hindrances that would keep us from doing this. Some of us didn't even know about Sabbath, and this is the first you're hearing about it. And so we're going to get to understand and know what that is here in this church. Some of us, all of us, have culture against us. Our culture will push and push and take all it can out of us. Sabbath is countercultural. The gospel is countercultural cultural. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, where God gave the command again to 
remember the Sabbath. He said to the Israelites who had come out of Egypt, remember they were slaves there, and he says, remember the Sabbath. You shall remember it because you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord rescued you with an outstretched arm. Today, there are many of us who are slaves to our culture. There are many of us that are so trapped in our culture that this idea of Sabbath seems like a ridiculous joke. And you'll just write it off because culture will pull on us. Our work will demand more and more and more. The better you do, the more it will ask of you. The activities of your children will demand more and more. The more that you get involved in, the more that it will demand from you. So at some point we have to say, are we going to be slaves to culture or elsewhere? Are we going to pursue what God has for us? Now, I'm certainly not trying to disparage work. I don't want you going in Monday morning and say, yeah, I always knew my boss was a slave master. That's not the point, because remember that your source of work is also a provision of God's grace to provide for your family and is a gift that God has given you. However, if you allow yourself to be slaves to the culture, I think one thing that we have against us here, I mean, just look at our culture and think of this as true. It's the power and principalities of this world that have us captive. I mean, if the church will not remember the Sabbath, I mean, what a victory for the enemy. Imagine that we were too busy, we were too occupied to pause and to rest. How many of us were filled with depression, anxiety? Uh, we have all the technology that should help us, but we are worse off than ever. And our enemy loves it because we are captive. Rather than being free and receiving what God has called us to. Many of us, our identity is wrapped up in what we do. We become human doings rather than human beings. And even for many of us, our spirituality, what we call our church, our Christian life, has to do with the things that we do. I'll come to church if I'm serving, but if I had to come and just kind of worship, I wouldn't know what to do there. Or we look at the disciplines that we do and we're slaves to them rather than just kind of being with Jesus and recognizing that's ultimately what it's about. And Sabbath leads us to stop our doing and to get back to being with God, to delighting in what he has for us. Busyness, we're too busy for Sabbath. I know it. Kids may be another reason that hinder us. Um, we need to lead our families in this if we're going to pursue it. Uh, I haven't done that great in my own life because, um, again, I have enough kind of trying to do this myself. I don't always lead my family well, and I, I want to get to do that. I want to I learn to do that. Now, for you dads that are out there, I believe that we're called. There's a reason that in Exodus 20 here that it says to us, that it says, this is for you to remember the Sabbath. This is for your son. This is for your daughter. This is for the people that work with you. Even for your livestock, it said back then. And so we have to lead in this. Dads, I mean, I would love for us to take this Starbucks card and to go and to just sit and have a cup of coffee, not on the run while we're doing more work because we have to keep ourselves pumped up on caffeine, but to, to go get a cup of coffee and sit with the Lord and ask the Spirit, say, I don't know 
what to do with this principle. I don't know how to lead my family. Maybe take some notes. And what I want to do for us in the rest of this time is to just say, how can we take some first steps? You didn't know what I was talking about today. And so you're not going to walk out of here and just kind of, oh, now I know what to do. If you do, uh, the guy that I've been reading from, Peter Schizero, he said it took him more than seven or eight years to really get to a point where he could write about this. I've been doing it for two or three years, and I, I'm still, I've got some principles that I'm growing in, but far from there. So today, I just want to give us a few things that maybe whether you are somebody in ministry or whether you are a doctor, whether you are a lawyer, whether you are a student, that wherever it is, that we can start taking some steps in this. Number one, I would say this. Read up on Sabbath. I've given you a few scriptures today. Um, I'm going to give you some more. I did plan before this Sunday um, that I would have kind of a printout uh, for you that I put online that would have all the scriptures to read through, some resources, some things to listen to online. Um, but my Friday came, and I didn't get to it. Um, and so I trusted that you would uh, hear this message, and maybe on Monday or Tuesday when I get this up and out to you, that you may go, and you may find those principles, and you'll read up on them. Scriptures from God's Word that you will meditate on and study and say, God, what does this have to do with us today? And maybe some insights from some other Christian mentors that will help you to, to understand. So I will put that uh, on uh, my blog, on the webpage, and on social media um, to be a part of that. Also email it out to you guys. Um, secondly, identify a 24-hour period of time. I don't think that it matters, the 24-hour period of time that it is. I do think that biblical Sabbath teaches us that it is a 24-hour period of time. For me, that's Friday to Saturday, 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. For most of you, it probably makes sense to be more like a Sunday-oriented thing when you're already coming and contemplating on God here, making worship a part of that. But identify, what, what could that be for you? I don't know your schedule. I, in Romans, it teaches us, Paul says that no day is more important than another but if we worship on the Sunday, maybe it makes sense that it's Sunday. Identify a 24-hour period of time. Thirdly, make a list of delights. If this is all that you do this week, that may be a good start. What is it that you delight in? What is it, for those of you who are parents and are so busy with kids right now that you're running them here or there and what they delight in, think back to the days when you were single, when you were newly married. What is it that you would go and do? Some of our marriages need this, majorly. What is it that we used to delight in? Maybe we can't go away for the weekend trip anymore, but we can take the 15-minute walk that can grow into 30-minute walk. What is it that you delight in? Make a list of your delights. Prepare in advance. If you come to whenever that time's supposed to be and you've done nothing to prepare, the laundry will be sitting there and you'll have no clean underwear for that day and you'll need to do it. You need to figure out how to prepare ahead to make it happen. And finally, I'll say this. Define some boundaries and then experiment. Experiment, experiment. Define some boundaries. Just so you know, when the invitations come for birthday parties and whatnot, and we don't do a lot of those things on Saturdays anymore because we've had to say no. 
I've just learned that my family, my spiritual walk suffers if I am pouring myself out completely on Saturday and I don't have that time to recharge. And so, yes, that took some time to say no to some things. It's harder now that our kids are coming home with invitations to birthday parties. I need to lead them in what it means to Sabbath, and we need to not be overly legalistic in that. Set some boundaries, what they look like for you, and experiment with this thing God calls Sabbath. We're not going to be legalistic about this, but we need to know that God has given us a gift to enjoy in the rest that he gives us in the gospel of Jesus alone. And it is a gift. And I hope today that maybe like that gift that we got, that we open it, and we say, what is it? How do I use it? And right there we have a loving Heavenly Father who says, I'm ready to lead you because I sent my son so that you would know that it's not about what you do. It's not about you earning anything. But it's ultimately about being in relationship with God and living this life out of an overflow of that place where we are with him, we understand his grace, his mercy. He's restoring us. He's refreshing us by his spirit at work within us. But we need to use this rhythm of Sabbath in our life to remember those things, to get back to them. I'm so glad that we're here on a Sunday morning. Because not only do I want to teach us about something that we go out and do, but we get to use this Sunday morning to be with our Heavenly Father, to remember the gospel that we believe in, that we don't earn salvation, we don't earn God's favor. He has given it to us. And so this morning we get to be with Him, to remember and to just sit with Him. Maybe this is the only time you're really sitting with God all week. So we're going to go before Him. We're going to worship him we're going to sit with him we're going to seek prayer where we need it we're going to remember the truth of the gospel let's pray god i thank you for the gift of sabbath i thank you for the ways that you bring this up in our life, whether that's through the teaching of this word this morning, or whether it's through the exhaustion that we're experiencing as we go, 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 go. And maybe God, maybe this truth today just um, confronts us in a major way this morning. And we don't really know what, what to do from here. But God, we are so thankful that we don't have to have it all figured out. We come to you broken. We come to you discouraged. We come to you depressed. We come to you frustrated and empty. And we ask you to lead us. We ask you to fill us. We ask you to restore us. Ask you to heal us. God, some of us need the truth of the gospel to, to sink in. 
We are so wrapped up in what we do that we need you to do a deep work in our heart and remind us you want us to be your children, to be your sons, to be your daughters, not to be your slaves or to be your servants. Holy Spirit, we need you to come and to fall fresh on us. We need you this morning. More than anything, we think about what to do. I just pray that you would pour over us this morning, that you would refresh us, that you would fill us. God, we're giving you this time. Work in our minds, work in our hearts, even work in our bodies. God, as we sit, restore our physical bodies. Help us to know what it is to rest in you. Still remains a rest in you, God. These moments are just a picture of eternity that we hope for, that we long for. When we will know what it is to rest in you. For those of us who believe in you, Jesus, we look forward to our eternal rest. And every time we Sabbath, every time we get glimpses of it here, we're reminded of the hope that we have in you. God, teach us to see you, to hope in you, to know you. God, we're your people. Where we've been disobedient, forgive us. Where we've been broken down, heal us. Holy Spirit, pour over us.